everyone and welcome to Pets Chats with the APBC. We are the Association of Pet Behaviour Counsellors and we're here to teach you how to be the best pet owner or behaviourist in the world. I'm your host Lauren Hewitt-Watts and I'm joined by Roz Pooley. Hi Roz! Hey guys, how are you? Oh, it's so lovely to have you on. We were just having a little chat before, just saying it was really nice for us to meet. And um, Ros, can you introduce yourself? Just uh, a brief little sentence. Yeah, so I am a clinical animal behaviourist from Bristol. Um, I've been working with dogs for about 13 years and I live with three dogs and a long suffering partner. And you've just uh, as saying... pet behaviorists do. There's usually <laughs> someone lurking in the back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think they they all have the same, don't they? You yeah. know, the partners are just like, oh, we'll just let you get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and today we're actually going to be talking about um, should I castrate my dog? But before we go into that, I just want you, if possible, just because I know there'll be a lot of dog owners watching this, could you differentiate? the sort of different terms because there's castration there's neutering there's spaying and I know that sometimes it does get a bit confusing as to what it is um so yeah that'd be great Uh, generally I tend to neutering I would sort of tend to refer to as a generic um a generic term for both sexes Mm -hmm. um and then obviously spaying we would refer to for bitches and castration we refer to for for male dogs um obviously with castration you have two well and even potentially with bitches but two types of castration we see more commonly in male dogs is chemical castration uh, which is an implant and then surgical castration as well so generally when we sort of define neutering um you know it can be you know either spaying or castration mm-hmm. um generally with the term neutering we would be you know what would come to my mind in particular would be surgical um whereas mm-hmm. with castration obviously because you've got te- chemical that can be temporary um as well Okay, brilliant. And I think we kind of discussed this before, and I think we want to focus on the male dogs, on the castration, just because I feel like testosterone is a good topic to talk about. And I know that it's something that you know a lot about. And are you noticing that more owners are choosing to keep their dogs entire rather than castrate them? Yeah, I think that it's certainly been a big shift in the past few years. Um, and I think a lot of that has come down to vets reading the recent research. Obviously, the big paper was McGreevy AL mm-hmm. in 2018. Um, it took a couple of years, I think, to filter down to the vet practices. Um, and now, I'm, especially in Bristol, obviously, I can only really predominantly speak for my area mm. and the vets that I work with but I see in a lot of well with first-hand conversations with vets and um, when they're referring to me but also in the medical history notes that I read with as part of you know my behavior assessment process mm. I see a lot of vets now recommending to owners to not castrate until they either get a behaviorist opinion if they are doing that for behavior reasons um, and uh, sometimes when the the owners aren't off, you know, asking about castration for behaviour, they just think it's the thing for their, them to do as mm. responsible owners. I'm seeing in medical histories that vets are saying, actually, we think your dog might be a little bit too anxious mm. um, and recommending that they wait a little bit or get a professional opinion. Um, and also, I think there's just, you know, owners have so much access to information yeah. um, and then, so, you know, sort of social you know, mirroring or learning where, mm. you know, there are more um, entire dogs around. And so it's now becoming more socially acceptable 
to have an entire dog. I think people have learned that, you know, you can have an entire dog and not breed from them and yeah. you can have an entire dog and have control of them. So mm -hmm. the risk of unplanned pregnancies is very low, in my opinion, if you're a responsible owner. So absolutely, I think in the past few years, there's been a huge increase in entire dogs, mm -hmm. which is great in many ways, um, but obviously it's not uh, without its risk of problems. Mm, absolutely. And I think um, in terms of those problems, what, I mean, actually, let's go back. I mean, in terms of obviously the health we would leave to the vets and we would say that's something for you to discuss with your vets, but in terms of behaviour, what might be some behaviour reasons to and to not castrate your male dog? I think for me, a lot of the behaviour problems that come with entire dogs can be development phase specific. Mm -hmm. And with appropriate management and training, then if we protect our dogs from, you know, getting into problem, um, you know, problematic interactions, and we work really hard on their recall and their overall, you know, responsiveness to owners, that that those behaviour problems can be mitigated with training and patience and management. Um, in terms of, you know, other risks, obviously, there's sometimes you can get into male competition. Um, that isn't exclusive to two entire dogs. Um, mm, so yeah. you can get neutered males that might yeah. have a problem with entire males. Um, and some entire males do appear to draw more sort of negative uh, you know, feedback from other dogs, um, perhaps due to how they're entering interactions. Sometimes it's actually got nothing to do with their body language and their behavior. It actually seems to be very much due to potentially their chemical profile, their yeah. scent. Um, and so that can be potentially a reason to neuter if, you know, every time your dog's interacting with another dog, they're being, you know, responded to with aggressive behavior, that it puts the dog at risk of developing a problem behavior. But there's lots more to it than just castration. There's so much background things that, you know, because the stress of the dog may influence its chemical profile. Um, you know, so there's so many things to look at other than going down, you know, an irreversible procedure as the primary intervention, you know, in terms of trying to address that problem behavior. Mm. I would say from experience, I've got a golden retriever. He's really big male um, and he's been entire and his head is humongous so you do get a difference in kind of size don't, in them wait, well can I get me started on head size my, yeah. my he's got, and everyone yeah. goes oh he's got such a big head is he a polar bear like he's massive but I yeah. do find I've had to particularly in those kind of peak ages and um, where he's fully mature I mean he's 11 now so he gets it less but I did find I was having to be very careful with males coming up to neutered males as well um because they just would would not like him sometimes, sometimes and you do have to protect looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just sometimes how they naturally hold their tail carriage yeah. and the size of their head. You know, neutered. Um, yeah, if you leave dogs to develop naturally, then mm. generally you will see, um, especially in dogs with um, higher testosterone, higher testosterone levels. Mm. Um, that they do seem to have larger skull sizes. Mm. Um, and so they look stronger. Mm. Um, and, you know, they could try to soften their body language as hard as, uh, that you know, they possibly can, but they can't change fundamentally how they look mm. or how they naturally hold their tail carriage. I mean, they can obviously adjust that, mm. um, 
But, you know, it's like with us, we hold ourselves a certain way subconsciously. And it's only until someone says something to us that we might start to change our body language. And by that point for the dog, they've already started to have the, you know, behavior from the other individual that can obviously lead to negative, you know, associations. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's many factors that come into it. But when we leave dogs to develop as nature intended, Mm -hmm. in my personal opinion and experience, I feel that the males um, and actually the females, they look stronger. um, They, you know, they, they, because that's what hormones for is if you're a wild golden retriever, you would have Mm -hmm. to go out there and say to the ladies, look at how big and strong I am. Mm -hmm. I'm the golden retriever for you because you're, you know your offspring are going to be strong specimens from my strong genes so it makes sense that these sexual hormones promote very strong bodies um mm. and you know and so as a result when dogs are perhaps you know they they look different uh, whether they're a different breed or mm. that they're neutered early or perhaps they've got uh, lower levels of testo- mm. testosterone in them as an individual that those individuals feel insecure just simply through default of, well, you look very strong and I now feel anxious because if there's a problem, I'm Mm. at risk of coming out worse. So I'll get in there preemptively. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I found. Although I found the the ladies love him so neutered or oh, yeah. unneutered they seem to love him like the the entire males they they flock around him so senior jack russell's funnily enough yeah i have seen many senior jack russell's cross the meadow with a very confused owner going what's going on and i'm like oh yeah it's my dog he's a total magnet for female senior jack russell's but he's you know it's actually when i work do a lot of uh, social rehabilitation and my dogs are helper dogs um obviously we use them very carefully um but historically before I had an entire male I would have to go very very careful about using bitches Mm. about who I would team you know cases that were a bitch Mm. with which dog because a bit now I put a a behavior case bitch with mohawk Mm. and we have very little work to do because nature just does its thing And they're like, oh, start fluttering their eyelashes. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's great because then that actually helps the the owner build confidence that, Mm -hmm. yes, my dog can socialize. And, you know, and the dog learns actually this sort of interaction feels good. And we can use that as an approximation towards other dogs. So Mm -hmm. there's certainly merits to having entire dogs, but they're not without their challenges, especially through adolescence. But it does tend get better if managed very very well okay and and sort of coming on to that what are the what what are things so if owners are watching this what would you say to them when that dog is coming into adolescence you've got you're going to keep them entire what can they do to preempt some of the issues that might be coming up or yeah, to, to, to stop them? I mean, as with any dog, whether they're entire or not, if they're, in, you know, generally from four months onwards, where or 16 weeks, you know, for, well, it's four months, but, for, you know, four months onwards, when they start to build their confidence and experiences, where recall training has to up. But mm. in an entire adolescent, but actually not just entire ones, you know, I've seen plenty of young neutered bitches need a lot of recall training. Yeah. They're going to be very socially motivated, but the entire males, we definitely are going to see a massive increase in that social motivation and the most, you know, because they're seeking in, information in it more than just for social interaction. They have a different goal in mind, especially if they come across scent and they start to learn what that scent means. Mm-hmm. 
So there is some level of innate understanding of this scent feels like it should mean something, but actually that exposure to scent of a bitch in estrus, um, the more they encounter it, the more likely they learn significance. So we have to learn to read their body language so that we can manage their, you know, their exposure to the scent. If we don't, you know, want to breed our dogs and we need to keep them under control, we have to learn what they look like when they might be starting to track scent that may lead to roaming. Mm -hmm. And you know, even if they've got a cracking good recall, it's actually quite difficult to recall a dog off the scent mm -hmm. of a bitch in estrus once those bodily processes and the brain processes have started. Because, you know, procreation is why we eat, you know. Yeah. So when we're like, oh, we'll just read, you know, if they've got good recall, well, it's not as simple as that. Oh, no. Because a dog, if they are nourished, they're going to put food to the side and be like, well, I've got an opportunity to mate here. Yeah. So learning body language is really important. But actually, I think what's often overlooked and something that I coach owners on a lot is that when, especially male dogs, but actually it's the same for females too, when they are going through these hormonal changes, we need to be very, very careful about interactions with others. Mm -hmm. um, and especially dogs who are going through similar phases um, because testosterone doesn't make dogs aggressive by default. No. Um, it's if a dog has tendencies or traits there, then testosterone potentially might slightly increase those traits. But actually what's going to increase the, the risk of aggression is another male that is going through the similar sort of risk-taking phase, higher uh, tendency, you know, higher likelihood of a stress response because they're going through adolescence, um, you know, their heightened um, activity of the sort of fear center in the brain. Um, so they're going to more quickly go, you know, start to respond over emotionally to situations. Um, and so I always say actually just being very, very careful with especially play interactions. Yeah, you're so they, right. Yeah. They can get so competitive so quickly um, and it doesn't take much for then, you know, for that to escalate into mm. a negative situation. And it's not just the boys as well, actually, you know, with the girls when they are working through their, you know, especially their first estrus cycle, mm. which can be very, um, you know, emotional for many of them. If you put them with another bitch that's going through a similar phase, then naturally, if you put two yeah. highly emotional, stressed individuals figuring out what life all means together, there's a risk of it going wrong. So during adolescence in particular, I tend to say to owners, you really want to be meeting up with established friends, mm -hmm. but those friends should not be, you know, like too similar, um, mm -hmm. especially similar breeds. Um, so size as well, would you say? Size, similar yeah. breeds, similar, just, you know, because it, the, the risk is too high for it to go wrong. So you're looking at meeting up with friends that have also different motivations um, so, you know, if an adolescent dog just wants to play a lot, actually putting them with dogs that just want to bumble along and sniff is going to help them, you know, get it right, um, yeah. social interactions at that crucial time. So I think those are the things that are so important. It's learning body language, mm -hmm. working very much on recall, taking each day as it comes, not expecting linear progression mm -hmm. um, and being very aware of how social interactions can escalate even between firm friends. Mm. Yeah, you know, didn't see one of his friends for six months because they were we now meet up with them every weekend.
but he was a young border collie. He was entire and they were a month apart in age. And as soon as we started to see that there was a bit of prickliness and there was one moment where it looked, you know, it did escalate a little. And the moment it escalated, we went, right, they don't see each other for six months. Mm. Um, let You know, which is a shame because we enjoyed our walks together. But I would rather that we could walk together for the rest mm. of our lives. Um, and now we go for walks every weekend and we carefully reintroduce them and they were fine. Mm. That's really good to know because I think a lot of people panic that if you stop those interactions, you're never going oh, to get that back. But actually what you've said from a from a professional, you're saying actually it's better to not have those bad interactions and yeah. restart them. We have to remember, like, the peak of testosterone is usually in dogs between 12 and 15 months. Mm. So that's when it's absolutely at its highest. Um, And it's not even that once that peak is over, we're out of the, you know, the sort of choppy waters. Because don't forget, the learning that goes on during that phase could Mm. so easily carry on for a few months after. So really what we're looking at is recognizing, okay, we're, we're entering that peak and you know we need to make sure that you know during that peak that we're protecting them but rather than being like oh 16 months let's just get back to it that we carefully ease them back into it and help make just making sure that we know that they are you know sort of ready to learn you know to really take on the information that we want them to learn Mm. again um as well so sometimes we have to take our foot off the gas and do Mm. a little more management than training um and you know just be a little bit patient um and I've done this with my dog and I have every confidence that it works um because you know my dog is now a very you know he's he's pretty much an adult and he's still entire and you know he he's a really he's a really cracking individual so okay are there any dogs that you think can't deal very well with the testosterone and that you've seen in your life where you think actually neutering for this dog is going to be better for their welfare um, yeah. Okay. yeah it's a really good question and you know there's always variation um we, we have to remember is that you know the the most most of the entire pet dogs out there aren't breeding um mm-hmm. so, so a lot of people are doing it because they've realized that actually it might be healthier behaviorally and physically for the dog to stay entire but the reality is that you know by not allowing them to breed for some individuals that can create huge um frustration um, and they might not even particularly know what they're frustrated about if they're inexperienced, but they have this internal physiological frustration where their body is just cannot find that homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we see quite a lot in working breeds where if they are, you know, already quite um, easily stimulated um, and more, more prone to stress because they're mm-hmm. more easily stimulated, uh, harder to regulate, you know, so regulating the, obviously the stress response helps regulate hormones. But if the individual has a higher tendency for stress, mm-hmm. then that means that the hormones can kind of get shifted off kilter too. And also you're going to get some individuals that have higher levels of hormones than others. And oh. so I think sometimes you just do see a dog where you're like, you are not happy as yes. an entire dog because there's no outlet. If you're not breeding, there's no outlet. And even if there was, that might not be the right thing because mm. once they know something's available, that can change their behavior. I, I was going to ask that question actually, because some people say, should I oh, let my yeah. dog breed once to like, yeah, you know, get it out of them and will they be okay? But 
what would you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it, to me, it's that if you know, we should only be breeding for one reason, and that is that the individual has absolutely outstanding genetics, behaviorally and physically, to offer the dog population. Mm. There is literally no other reason to breed a dog. Mm. If you show a male dog, um, you know what the bit, what you know, in estrus, uh, what it means, what yeah, how means, um, and what's what behavior is available, and they get you know that that action, and mm. you know, it's a massive reinforcer. Um, then they become more experienced. The scent can become more salient to them, and then potentially that might affect their behavior. Um, actually, sometimes, um, anecdotally through speaking to people I know, um, who have bred their dogs, um. I will say from a pedigree point perspective, um, some people might not think that matters, but where they are like, you know, selecting for temperament and good health, um, that they have found that their dogs are um, a little more, become a little bit more edgy and a little bit more competitive when they encounter other, you know, bitches that are in season. And actually I would say for mobile at the moment, we definitely encountered some in-season bitch we over the, well, a couple of days ago and today. And he actually goes a little bit more withdrawn at home, not necessarily, not hugely so, but he goes a little bit more reclusive. He can be a little less affectionate. It goes just a bit more serious. Mm. For some dogs, they lose their appetite. Uh, mm-hmm. Some dogs get really like frustrated in that they might try and get out of the house or mm-hmm. they can't settle, especially if there's a bitch around their local area that's, you know. Um, so I think, you know, if we introduce that, it, that you know, make it, give them clarity on what that information yeah. is for some dogs that can be, you know, resigning them to a, a, in even more frustration. Yeah. And for bitches, obviously I know we're really focusing on boys, but it's important to recognise that breeding, yeah. you know, uh, like sort of raising a little well just gestation in itself and raising a litter is incredibly taxing um and I don't think quite a lot of people realize a it's risky um mm. from a health perspective but also it's very physiologically taxing and actually ages dogs um I mean obviously if they've got real optimum health you can mitigate that aging but I have seen some dogs really prematurely age for being bred quite young again it's Mm. anecdotal isn't it but it makes sense you know I can think of ones that I've the same that that I've known of and and they do seem to yeah they seem to age it's tiring like well you have to chat to any pregnant friends to know exactly being pregnant and raising a baby takes it takes it out of them and obviously you know we've got the lifestyle choice control to be like let's eat well let's exercise Mm. I need to rest but actually for some dogs, their owners might not, you know, know how to mm-hmm. achieve that optimum health in their dog. But also um, actually in some dogs, the genetics of that dog may, may make yeah. optimum health very difficult to achieve. So we should only be breeding if we absolutely, you know, I say have to, but we're for, for very good reason. Um, and it's just not necessary to do um, to satisfy a dog. Yeah. Because actually I think we can cause more frustration. Yeah. No, that's really good to know, because I know that's the question that, that people have. Um, and we'll start to wrap it up. I've got one more question that I, I've had in the past. It's quite an odd question, but is there any interaction between testosterone in male humans and male dogs? Because you hear about people say, I, I don't know, is there anything in that? Or is it just yeah, completely kind of old wives tale? I was asked a question similar recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Possibly because I did a webinar 
um, on hormones. Uh, okay. Someone asked me a question that was quite similar about if you have two individual dogs that mm. um, are going through a testosterone surge, you know, similar time. Mm. I think it's one of those, I don't know the answer for sure, but when I try and look at it in terms of what I do know about stress and what mm. I do know about the the relationship between the HPA axis so the stress axis and the mm. hormonal axis there is a relationship between the two mm. um, and we know that dogs can smell a heck of a lot it would make mm. sense that they can smell hormones because hormones are in a way of you know signals okay. um, as well as changing the body they're going to have an impact on our scent aren't they so I think that if a male in the household well they're a male with testosterone so if there's a male with testosterone yeah. The dog's going to be aware that, you know, not only from phenotype, but from yeah. proper sense that you are a male. Mm. And that I imagine if there was really high testosterone in a male human, or let's mm. just say a dog to make it sort of a broad way of applying this, mm. that that might potentially then affect the, their behavior as an individual, but also actually the if due to the sense and the perception of mm -hmm. these levels, perhaps it makes the dog more stressed. Mm -hmm. um, which may affect their behavior. So that's the way I kind of looked at it is mm -hmm. that it's actually probably a bit more intertwined as you've got high testosterone. Therefore that makes me mm. produce, you know, it's, I think it's much more complicated than that because the mm. body's always trying to find homeostasis. Mm. And we know that so many things such as, you know, things in the environment from even what we eat can affect our mm. hormones. So I think that it would make sense that, you know, that if there was all of a sudden someone in the environment that had very high hormones, that that might have an impact on a dog emotionally or even potentially physiologically. And actually we can very rarely separate the two. Yeah. I suppose it's the same as when people say when they get pregnant, their dog responds differently to them. And, and again, it's, it's very nuanced. It's not to say it's this or it's this, it's probably all the different things that are going on. Yeah. You know, like for instance, high levels of estrogen generally um, can sort of uh, increase anxiety, increase aggression um, in, you know, in uh, many different species. Um, and so then is there an association there? When I s smell this at certain mm -hmm. levels, I expect this, you know, this sort of potentially. So we just don't, it's so, there's so yeah, many, so interesting. That there might be a more specific answer out there that I've just not accessed. Yeah. No, it's 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 sorry it, to fire you actually a quite difficult question, but it's just one that I've heard people say, oh, you know, could that be why my dog's responding worse to my husband or yeah. whoever than it is to me? But there's probably so much more in it. There are I've had cases where the male in the household seems to be doing everything right. Mm -hmm. Um, the dog hasn't got a history such as rescue shelter mm. where they've been raised by, you know, most predominantly women um, and the, where the dog seems to, you know, not enjoy the company of the male so much. So it could just then be that, yeah, you know, I associate the scent of testosterone with distancing myself um, possibly. Um, from a competition point of view, you know, in terms of like if you think of it from an ethology perspective, mm. um, it, you know, if, if there were lots of males in, you know, in an area, there's going to be increased likelihood of conflict if a bitching season were to come along. So mm. it kind of makes sense that for some dogs, they might be a bit more aware that, mm. you know, that could potentially be a bit of a problem for me. So I might distance myself or try to repel. 
maybe it's very nuanced yeah. <laughs> very yeah really interesting but um no thank you so much for answering that yeah. so I think we'll start to wrap that up now but first of all where can people find you um if they want to come and work with you yeah. So um, you can find me online. My website is themuttyprofessor.co.uk. Um, I'm obviously on Facebook as well, although all of our inquiries we do channel to email, which can be found through our website. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook. I do lots of posts about yeah. these sort of things um, and I do lots of webinars um and yeah, as you can tell, I can talk about um testicles until the cows come. <laughs> oh and it's been absolutely brilliant thank you so much for coming on and i hope everyone has enjoyed watching and we will see you in the next one